Welcome to episode 229 of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South and Texas Pete. On today's episode, we talk a little horns down, talk a little NFL, <clears throat> including the playoffs and Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers, and discuss the final on three recruiting rankings. You can find the show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com, and Apple and Spotify. Don't forget to join us for the live recording of the show. I think that'll probably be, we'll probably do at once, once a week live. Um, Every Sunday, probably going to move to Monday soon at 8 Eastern time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. Lastly, go share the pod with your friends. Let's get to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Saturday Football Uncensored. Brought to you by Saturday Down South and Texas Pete. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me as always, Chris Marler. Chris, NFL Sunday was a little little tough to stomach for for the Lions there and the Ravens. Dude, really. I felt oh, so bad for them. That was awful. That was a tough one. We'll we'll what get to the in a moment, but it's been it was a it was a hell of a football Sunday. Yeah, that's fair. I, I just don't know what like Campbell. I understand that's what they he had done all year and all that kind of stuff. Twenty four seven lead, man. That was. I mean, they were good games. They were both really good games. I felt bad for Lamar Jackson. Um, I mean, I thought that the Chiefs deserved to win. I just felt bad for Lamar Jackson. Daddy's got a little uh, plus 1,000 for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. From when? Start of the uh, playoffs. That's, that was their odds, 10-1. to 1. That's pretty sick. There was, there was somebody, and I should have saved the tweet, but there was somebody that had um, the fourth year in a row. It's like a sports media dude or maybe somebody out of Vegas where he predicted who's going to win the Super Bowl the week of the season starting. And he had Kansas City over San Francisco, and it's the fourth year in a row he's been right about the. the um, Dang, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I need to follow this guy. Yeah. So, how have things been? Good, man. Um, we missed last week. We need to stop recording the midweek strictly because it helps Bama's recruiting, and I don't care how that sounds. That's fair. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, it was good, man. Bama uh, picked up Ryan Williams. That was a lot of fun. Been trying to get into college basketball against my will. Um, it's tough. I don't love it. I don't love it. So, I mean, at least Bama's decent uh, and the SEC yeah. is good and fun to watch. But yeah, it's pretty much it, man. How about you? I've tr- I have not tried to get in college basketball. I've like s- semi tried, but it's just tough, man. I don't know any of the players anymore. Um, yeah. I think obviously college basketball, when it changed to you have to go for a year, but then you can leave, it already started getting that way. But then when you throw the transfer portal in, it's just, right. I don't follow it enough to just even know what's going on. So I'll watch some big games on Saturdays, you know, if they're on CBS or something like yeah. that. But that's about the extent. Other than that, man, I'm, you know, sucks that football's winding down. Like I said, the NFL has been great to follow over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, and this the, is the, the Falcons, but, you know. <laughs> I'm oh, kind of glad the the way it's set up now because it's like you get the Senior Bowl this week, which is who's a super chat. Oh, there he is! Look at that booze. Cathedral of the game in the backdrop. That's right, boy. Thanks for the thanks for the uh, cashish. Yeah, we've got to figure out how to steal that money. Um, I don't know. I don't know where we're going, but I then the, the Falcons hired Raheem Morris, which 
We'll see. I'm willing to give everybody a second chance, but good God, he was your interim coach. Uh, For a while. Yeah, it just seems hard to believe that, like, it seemed like this was the one they were gearing up, and then it's like Raheem Morris. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I will, I'll withhold judgment until we see what's on the field. I'm excited to get the McVay understudy as the OC. So we'll see. I, I will not withhold judgment because if I don't know what could have changed a couple years ago to now that all of a sudden it would be like night and day better. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. But Rich McKay, a lot of people say Rich McKay is the issue. So, oh, like the GM? Not the G. He's not the GM. He's like the football operations guy. But he basically is the reason they didn't hire Belichick, or one of the main reasons, because, uh, like apparently Blank wanted Belichick, and that was obviously heavily rumored. And they basically convinced him that Belichick wasn't the guy because they knew they'd be out because Belichick <laughs> controls everything. So, oh, that makes sense. I just, I don't. <laughs> the guy that handed you the worst loss in your franchise history that also just happens to be like maybe the greatest NFL coach of all time. You had him here twice. I would love to know where they took him out to dinner. Would love to know that part. Um, you had him here twice and then you pass on him for a guy that you had as your interim less than five years ago. I just make it make sense. Yeah. So I was, I didn't want them to get Belichick, but I also wasn't, I, I would, I don't know. We'll see. I will. Yeah. Um, how about horns down, dude? So I'm, I'm excited that we get to bring this segment back, the uncensored moment of the week. Um, let me see where it's at here. I got it. Oh no, I have a special one specifically. Oh, for this one. I see. Did you see this weekend at the BYU Texas basketball game, which was sold out by the way? Those Mormons showed up and showed out. Um, oh. where a group of students were sitting in the front row wearing shirts that said horns down. And they were asked to leave. They're just, Chris, they're just trying to soak in the moment, you know? That's good. Um, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I, I understand, too, like, the reaction from, from social media was insane. I think I tweeted out something about it. Dude, it had, like, like 3 million <laughs> impressions or some shit. Like, it, like, went, and, and also, I, I reacted to it immediately. Like, I always do in most things in my yeah. life without having done, you know, um, taking a second to have some some research or just a, a deep breath to make sure that I was right about what I was talking about. But he, there was somebody that said that this was not Texas's fault. It, it was BYU that specifically did it. And like nobody from Texas bench, nobody from the administration was like, that's offensive, take it down. So that's, that's fine. But if you've had this many situations with your school, like the coach freaking out like less than two weeks ago after they lost uh, UCF, calling people classless for doing the horns down thing. How soft and fragile is this program and fan base that this is like has to keep happening? It's like a trickle down effect. If it's they may not necessarily have said anything directly, but they've made it very well known that they're very offended by it. So right. now people have to feel like they have to take it down. Right. It's ridiculous. Uh, it reminds me of that episode of The Office when Michael comes in and is like, okay, everyone go right up on the board what you're not what you're like insecure about and no one can make fun of it. And it's just Texas all day. Right. It's it's unreal. Well, if if they were going to be offended by a bunch of, you know, kids at BYU wearing shirts, I'd just wait till they go play a road game in Tuscaloosa or Gainesville. Dude, LSU is going to eat them alive. Yeah, it ain't going to be pretty. So. No, not at all. 
Um, no, I thought that was extremely soft. I thought it was stupid. Uh, and like you said, it is like a trickle down effect. It's like it's happened so many times that now that's just like the norm and the, they have to do it. Oh, yeah. Well, they're just making it worse for themselves in the future. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's get back to the NFL real quick because I wanted to just talk about what you thought about the two games. Uh, we'll start with the first game. Just we'll go in order. Um, dude, Patrick Mahomes is probably one of the most ridiculous specimens I've ever watched. Yeah. Like, I could, I think you could easily say that he's way more talented than Brady, and he's also stacking up playoff victories early on in his career faster than Brady even did. Like than everyone, I think. Yeah. Well, I think he's. I think I heard the stat today. He's fourteen and three in in postseason games. Two of them were overtime losses, and then one was the <clears throat> the Bucks Super Bowl where like they had no O line left, and he was just getting destroyed left and right that night. Right. Like it was, it was a bad game. Well, they were um, playing in Brady's home stadium, by the way. Yeah. So um, ridiculous, and that's part of why I was like, even though they weren't playing well going into the playoffs, I was like, if they're ten to one to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I was kind of looking at their path. I was like, I mean, the Dolphins going into KC, you know, it just started stacking up, and I was like, and they kind of just have that mental edge over the Bills, and I could see it. So I'm hoping it plays out that way. Um, but yeah, it was a crazy game, man. Like it started out, it looked like KC was going to just blow them off the field. Yeah. Um, and then the Ravens kind of got back into it, but it was I was surprised how low scoring it was. I was surprised that Munkin had a terrible game. That was that part was super bizarre. And like, and then the, in the moment, like some of the stuff he was doing, where you had the best rushing offense in the NFL all season long, and then like you're not running the ball on third and three, fourth and two, like multiple times. Like I just that part was confusing. I mean, they also like the Chiefs had a really good game plan, that's for sure. Um, but it was it was I felt bad, like I said, for Lamar Jackson and Zay Flowers, dude. That is like that that's is awesome, man. On like the half inch line. I mean, by the guy that he had just mocked the play before. Oh, I didn't even realize that part. Yeah. <laughs> of course, that's just tough. That's instant yeah. karma. I mean, yeah, what a play yeah. by that safety, though. I mean, it's just crazy that split second like that could have been the difference between a totally different ball game and pretty much they felt like the game was over at that point. Right. I mean, um, I felt bad for betters that had the over too because twenty-one points in the first half or first quarter. And then the rest of the game was like nothing, just nothing happened. What's your gut? Okay, and then let's go to the um, the Lions, man. I saw that it was, I think maybe it was like the you know the worst, the only teams that have lost this, like given up a seventeen plus lead that late into a game, like this far down into the playoffs, were like the Falcons, the Oilers in the eighties, and that. Oh yeah, that was a good game. It wasn't the 80s. It was like, well, there was that game. They were up like 38 to three against the Bills in like the like in yeah. 91 or 92, and they 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 blew it. But it was in Buffalo. Yeah, man. Like one of my good buddies, they used to work with the Houston's Tyler Del Duque. He's like a big Lions fan. And after they won the first playoff game, I like I called him. And he's like, dude. He was like in tears. He was like, he's like, dude. I they haven't won a playoff game since 1991. I, I was born wow. in 1992. And I was like, that's insane. And then they, of course, like, I just, they had, they had that game and it was one catastrophe, catastrophe after another. But then also the Dan Campbell stuff, it was like, dude, just 
it wasn't like it was fourth and inches. Right. I just, I did not understand it. And like, well, yeah, he made weird decisions. Like going into the half, he kicked the field goal. Right. To go up three scores. And then in the same situation later into the game to get the same thing, he, he goes for it instead. Doesn't get it. And then at the end, like he fumbled with the, the timeouts running the ball. Like, yeah, it was just, yeah, it felt like a little panicky. Um, you you just felt that impending doom. It was the same feeling I felt 28-3. I could feel it coming oh. for the Lions, and I was just like, this is just, this is painful. And they're, they're, they're a really good team, but I mean, that division actually is kind of quietly getting semi-stacked because the the Packers were pretty good by the end of the year, and mm-hmm. then the Bears have the, they have, don't they have like three first-round picks? Two in the five or something like that? Yeah. I mean, they're going to end up getting like Caleb Williams, somebody else that's awesome. I mean, right. I th- and then if they trade fields, like they'll get even more picks. So like they could be good pretty quick. It's just, you feel like you kind of lost a, a giant opportunity. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing with the NFL too, is like <clears throat> you saw it with, with like the Falcons, like it's difficult to get back to a Super Bowl. Falcons haven't been doing, I mean, the Falcons suck, but like, you know, it's very difficult to, to stack seasons like that in the NFL. And I just felt so bad for that fan base. Cause they, I mean, like they traveled really well, like their fans showed up, it, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, I don't know. It's just, it just, all this stuff in the third quarter just went horrifically wrong. And, and you could listen, like, like the, the ones that stood out the most to me were those like not taking the field goal. There's reasons for it. Like they, the, the field goal here they had joined, I think joined the team on, on like, halfway through December or like the game on Christmas Eve. Like he has not been on the team for long. Has attempted, I think his long this year is like 41 yards or 47 yards, something like that. Um, I think he's only kicked six field goals, but, but still he's an NFL kicker. And the two field goals were 45 and 48 yards. Like, and then you look at the end of the game and of course you lose by three. And I just, it was, it was mind blowing. And then, and then Jameer Gibbs fumbled. And then it was like in between all of that happening, you had the one drive, where Jared Goff could not do anything but hit the receivers like right in the hands and every single one of them dropped like dropped it was yeah. it was tough man it was tough but good for Kyle Shanahan so happy that you had even more fortune fall into your fucking lap he's he's rarely taken advantage of it i mean he's Never. been good but yeah this is this should be an interesting rematch um do you what's do you care about all this Taylor Swift stuff? First off, I've seen Taylor Swift in concert twice. I, oh, okay. I that's just a brag right there. I mean, you it is. Include um, I like Taylor Swift. I think I think it's a cool story, and I I don't understand why people are so upset about it. Um, it, like I feel like this weekend wasn't as bad with like with people being upset, but it's like I see it every single fucking Sunday or Monday where it's like. Is there anything worse than, than having to see Taylor Swift on camera a bazillion times every Sunday? It's like, yeah, the only thing worse is y'all complaining about it. Like, it doesn't matter. It, it, like, it, it just doesn't matter. And also, then she goes in the field afterwards, and she's, like, just being, a, like, a supportive girlfriend. So all the, all the people that were, like, on top of saying that it was – that they hate her, but it's also, like, a publicity stunt. It's just – it's so I, – I just don't get it. I, she's, she's never, like – it's like Guy Fieri hate. <laughs> so he hasn't done anything to anybody. He just has a stupid goatee. She also has really bad bangs. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't mind her bangs. I'm gonna be honest. 
I do. Uh, Willie Gray, so you guys close to interviewing the FSU and NIL guy. Um, I know he's in the middle of player retention right now. This is just a crazy thing to talk about, right? But yeah. in the middle of retaining the roster, and then I think you get the second portal window opening up, and I think it'll. I think that'll probably be like a summer thing. I think yeah. it's probably the deadest period for him. I know he just runs crazy throughout the season, so um, hopefully we'll get that in the summer. Yeah. Um, but we'll have some stuff coming up. Yeah. Um, in the NFL, uh, keeping with that, we didn't. We haven't talked about this here. Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan, goes to the Chargers, um, replaced by Sharon Moore. Maybe we'll talk about both of those things. Do you think Harbaugh will be good in the NFL again, or do you think he's just a lunatic and his career just kind of I mean, fizz, fizzles out? He already was good. In the he was like, for sure, but oh, I mean, pull it up because I'm pretty sure I saw a stat that like him going into the league, he is already I think, you know, um, has like the highest winning percentage of any coach in the league, based off of his like four years when he was with the Niners. Um, so yeah, they were good. They really were. Good. He, let's see, five and three in the postseason. I'm pretty sure they got to. Um, what the hell? Why? I don't got to the Super Bowl. It was Harbaugh v. Harbaugh. Right. But then they also had, I'm pretty sure they got to um, like three, I think they got to the NFC Championship game in three out of the four seasons he was there. Yeah. I yeah. mean, hard to argue that. It, it should be interesting. I mean, the Chargers have a, like, I like Herbert a lot. I think he's, although yeah. it's weird, like they can't find an OC that really mixes well with him. Like they just lost their, I mean, Harbaugh came in, so they were going to lose their OC anyways. But they brought in Kellen Moore for him to kind of have this explosion, and he just kind of didn't do anything right that significant last year. Uh, but they have a pretty decent roster. I mean, um, it'll be very interesting. See, their defense should be a lot better than it has been. Yeah. Um, so they're not lacking for talent. It should be pretty interesting. But he's, I mean, he's a good coach. I'm just, I'm surprised that the. I mean, he left in very good graces with Michigan fans, obviously. But it's still wild to me that all of this just happened in front of everyone's eyes, and there was like, yeah, all right. Oh, I think it's because it's happened every offseason, it feels like. Well, I meant like the cheating. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, that's probably why it eventually was like, all right, now I really got to get the fuck out of here. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But no, I thought it was the right move to take more as the head coach. Um, Sharon Moore's in the same place. I think that, like, I don't think this is why they did it, but I think after you watched what happened at Alabama with the saving retirement, Obviously, two very different um, coaches, situations, programs, all that. Um, but I, I thought it was like I thought it was the best move because I think he probably deserved the job. For one, um, I mean, he was one of the assistant coaches. He was the assistant coach that took over for the last three games of the season. He was suspended, um, and he obviously went three and zero. I think he's four and zero overall. Two of those wins against Ohio State and Penn State, like really hard to argue about or with that um, kind of success. And then I think that the, the big thing is that you saw it happen at Alabama, which is preventing like this mass exodus and like, you know, I don't say turmoil, but like for lack of a better word, sky is falling situation. And if you look at like the, the um, like what's, what's come from it, it's not been bad. Like they've lost one player to the portal since this happened one only one mm-hmm. um seven overall i think this entire portal offseason 
the one guy they lost, I think it was a three-star offensive lineman. They've lost seven total players. One of them was a four-star. Five of them were three stars. And look, there was just one like walk-on or something like that. So the, the damage has been very, very minimal. I think that was one of the things too, is that that like that roster was never going to be rated by people. Yeah. It's been, I mean, what he's 37 years old. That's insane. He'll turn 38 in like a week. Um, played at Oklahoma. Um, but I mean, he's had a, he was a GA at Louisville in 2011. So it's been a pretty quick rise for him to become head coach of Michigan. Um, He's been at Michigan since 2018, started as the tight end coach, then moved to O-line coach, co-OC, then OC, and he obviously felt uh, filled in for Harbaugh when he was suspended yeah. for all those games last year. So it should be interesting. I don't know if it was more they were going to – they saw what happened at Alabama and they thought that was maybe going to be the best path to just keep things steady because you obviously have a great roster. Right. Um, or if that would have been their first pick no matter what. It's tough to say. It'll obviously play out on the field. We'll see how it goes, but – um, I mean, obviously, it's a big storyline considering they just won the national championship. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was fine. I think it was um probably the right move. It's also the other thing I wanted to like bring up about it was that was there's a number of reasons why this was never going to happen. But like Sharon Moore and like the the ease of which they made the hire, there wasn't a lot of seeming like interviews. And Michigan State law said they had to keep the job open for at least uh, seven days. Um. So they can, you know, kind of ensure they made sure that they interviewed people and didn't just give it away to like one candidate or, or whatever. There wasn't like a bunch of rumors or confirmations of anyone or groomers or groomers even, which is which is super shocking when yeah. it comes to college uh, coaching hires. But yeah, I, th- I thought it was a good move. But that was the whole thing. There were rumors that you know Brian Kelly would be interested. I think Matt Muscona he went viral for this because he said in December if Michigan offered him the job he thinks that brian kelly would have taken it now this is like a month and a half ago things weren't the same even now as they as they are then as they are now in that program or obviously either program um it those words kind of kind of got twisted but he probably should have known it was going to happen either way but like him saying if he was offered the job he thought brian kelly would take it i don't think it's like that crazy i don't think it's a better job but i think when you saw the way everything was playing out from LSU and what Brian Kelly has spent this offseason doing, which is bolstering the staff, adding strength in numbers to that staff, recruiting his ass off, like he has really made sure he's like dug his feet in the ground at LSU and, and he's going to be there. Hopefully, um, I mean, I'm sure in his sake for, for a while. Yeah, that 2025 recruiting class is off to a fantastic start. Speaking of that. Yeah. 2024 recruiting rankings, the final rankings for on three dropped today. So that pretty much, I think they've all updated now to their final rankings. Um, Jeremiah Smith was number one on every, every site. That's insane. Yeah. Ohio state receiver. Um, what did you want to get into specifically about this or any surprises or. I mean, so this is, I think these are just, these aren't like the, the industry rankings. It's just, from on three, right? They updated theirs, but um, I know two four seven, and I'll pull this up for us to look at while we, yeah, do this. Um, let's see. That's a good question, for Trevor. Um, no, like, well, and while you're looking at that, I'll just say like the stuff that I thought was most interesting was something we talked about like 
before last year's recruiting cycle. Nope. What in the hell? Um, zooming on in there. Let me zoom it in. Zoom it in. I can't see shit in this thing. Not good for you. There you go. Um, no, so like one of the questions that we were like people were kind of speculating on as you know, before last year, especially when NIL was firmly in place, like not about to be in place, but like firmly in place. You saw what it did at AM um and the rumors around that that roster and payroll. Um uh, we've seen what it's what it's done at certain, you know, different places. We've definitely seen it in the portal. But the one thing that I thought was interesting was um would there be more disparity and more inclusion, um, you know, uh, between the amount of teams that were going to be stockpiling talent? Because for a long time, it's been Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, Texas, but like those those top three, especially. I mean, it's like every single year you see like the. I think on on two four seven last year, the initial um, play or team rankings that came out, there was like thirty four um total five stars and i want to say 16 so almost half were on three teams bama texas and georgia this year you had this is just on three you had 16 different teams get um at least one five-star player 16 different teams so that is by far the most we've we've seen in i don't know ever but but from what i looked at um just going back three years this is the nil era in 2013 or 2023, you had 13 different teams. In 2022, you had 10. The other thing I thought was interesting was in 2022, and you had 10 total teams that got a five star, 10 total, only three teams were um, were outside of the top 10. So only like only three teams that finished outside the top 10 in the in the final team rankings for recruiting rankings got a five star. Almost every single player was was in the top like uh, in a top 10 class. In that, like you know, that who's who, that that normal group of uh, what do you call it? Teams that always like hoard the talent. In 2023, you had five total teams outside the top ten that got at least one five star. This year, again, you had 16 total teams. Eight, eight of them were outside the top ten. You had you had I think teams all the way down to like 23 or something like that. They got at least one. Or I'm sorry, Nebraska was the lowest ranked. Who got Dylan Rayola yeah. um, at 24? They were able to at least get one five star. So I mean, you know, I, I, it feels like that part is, is working. As as many wrongs as there is, or there there are, um, and how many things that feel broken in the sport. This feels like something that's at least like somewhat positive. You know what's not different? Watch this. I'm gonna just list off the top twenty here for uh, oh boy rankings. Okay, so Ohio State's one, SEC, 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 SEC. You sensing a trend as I continue to scroll? Are these just the players? So we get down to 12. There's a random Texas Tech guy. And yes, then it so continues back to the SEC. <laughs> is that all SEC? No. Yeah. Because Texas. Is, I should have added that up. Look at all that. Missouri. I mean, from the from the team rankings, um, from the team rankings, they had hold on, I have it written down here. Six of the top ten. This is including Oklahoma and Texas, who will because these will be on the field next year. 11 of the top 20 and 13 of the top 25. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty significant. So, um, 
Yeah, man, it's it should be interesting. Obviously, Ellis Robinson could come in and start next year at Georgia. Like he's yeah talented. I was wrong. Uh, ESPN has Jeremiah Smith number four player and Ellis Robinson as the number one player. But is two, there four, a three, site that we trust less than ESPN? Yeah, yeah. What I like about uh, on threes industry ranking is it's weighted. So two four seven and on threes mean a lot more than rivals and ESPNs. Yeah, and they calculate the composite. Um. I also feel like ESPN just has one guy over there doing all that. Yeah. Just like for whatever reason. Trying to copy what everybody else does. Yeah. It's just I just feel like it's just one. It's like Craig Sherbert or whatever his name is. It's like, okay, so here's like on signing day every year, just out of breath in a shirt and, and suit that doesn't fit <laughs> and just being like, so a huge pickup, huge pickup for Tennessee here. Like that's the whole thing. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that was interesting. The other thing that I thought was kind of cool is the receivers – the receiver rankings, obviously Jeremiah Smith, like that's with, with the amount of quarterbacks talent in this class and like for receiver to be number one, I feel like that's kind of shocking to me. I, I did that whole deep dive last year where I was like, I bet there will be more five-star quarterbacks than ever in, in these classes. And there were like seven last year, I think, or like, or in the five and like the top eight or something crazy. Um, and DJ Lag, obviously saying, Rayola, how many how many total? Because he Kerman, Kerman Hook, uh our guy just got a fifth star on on three, but he's composite four. Okay. So but the, they were saying the receiver class is the deepest class and and from like a star and top heavy standpoint, it's the closest thing they've they've seen from it is like that 2008 class when you had Julio Jones and, and AJ Green. And they yeah. were talking about how those those two comparisons, um, Cam Coleman who finished in the top three or four uh, going to Auburn. And then obviously Jeremiah Smith. That's, yeah. I mean, that is wild to me. Yeah. And it's a, it's a position where those guys should make immediate impacts next year. Right. Like right away. Um, yeah, man, that's, it's kind of crazy how much the high school football recruiting is covered these days. I mean, yeah, they've already got rankings for 2026 kids. It's like, these kids are like finishing up their sophomore years of high school. Well, and, and one of the guys in the chat, Evan, Willie, or, or James O'Quinn, what's up, James O'Quinn? One of them will know. Um, the quarterback that's out of the state of Georgia, he's like a, he just finished his freshman year and he was committed to USC and then decommitted. He's now moving up a class, so he'll be a junior. Um, oh, Juju Lewis? Yes. Yeah. So that guy, I think he's going to be visiting Georgia yeah. for their junior day. He's like, he he reclassified to become a junior. And I was thinking about this the other day. Is like, it's so bizarre to me that going into your senior year, I mean, you got the haze is like almost completely in the barn for these like these kids. Yep. I mean, you if you're not like a starter by your by your junior year, you might be in huge huge trouble trying to get a college scholarship. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's crazy. Like, to uh, I remember when it first became popular for like one or two recruits to enroll early, right? And now it's like almost the entire class enrolls early. Some kids are graduating high school a year early. Yeah. Some kids are graduating high school two years early. Like, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I do. I would love to see what that, that looks like, especially because it's so it's so clear as day to see that like the COVID year really like fucked up some of the evaluations 
and I'm, I'll say this just from a Bama standpoint, unless Bama did the worst job of developing talent in the history of getting five stars. Cause I mean, some of like Brockermeyer, like at, at left tackle, some of those other guys like right around there um, that were like five star people like are just have not really done anything. I don't know if Brockermeyer starting at TCU, but like, I would love to see a deep dive or, or, or some like more in-depth stuff on like what it looks like for some of these kids, because it, like that used to be like, one of the biggest parts of getting recruited was, yeah, like, you know, you first off, you're developing your body at like 17 and 18, probably more than you have when you were in your first couple of years of high school, stronger, I mean, bigger, faster, stronger, all that kind of stuff, getting a chance to play more. And if you have a big senior year, then like that, that's been like, you know, tales as old as time for like most of our life of recruiting, but just not anymore. Song as old as Ryan. That's a great fucking Bob. It is. What is your favorite Disney song? It's uh, it's like trying to pick a favorite child. I just can't. I don't what know is your favorite know. child? I'll tell you which one. My it's you, Chris. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, yeah, man. It should be interesting. And speaking of, you know, incoming senior, you know, incoming freshmen, you've got the outgoing seniors that are playing in the senior bowl. My dog is here. Hey, hey, bud. What's um, up, bud? Uh, senior bowl. Pretty stacked rosters. Um, what are you looking forward to in the Senior Bowl? Are you gonna? Is this something that you follow a lot, or you just kind of do you watch it? Yeah, I'll watch it. I, I mean, I think it, I always get excited because the I love seeing like which players have like the the like I'm more interested in seeing like the the recaps day to day from a practice standpoint than than the game because the game it's like it's a 60 minute game. It's awesome if you if you show out in like that moment. That's that's great. But the game is also designed for you to do that. Like I don't, I don't think they rush the passer or anything like that. Um, so watching this stuff like all week, I I love seeing like like whose stock starts to go up and some of these kids that like have been kind of overlooked and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's not as much of like the underwear Olympics, which I also enjoy. I, I I enjoy the combine and watching people run as fast as they can and lift as much weight as possible. I think that's still awesome. But like. I think this is also pretty cool because it's it's more scouting focused and the people that are down there, like like all the scouts from different NFL teams and and, and that that kind of shit. Anybody from Alabama that you're thinking could get a rise in draft stock? Because for me, Braden Fisk, who is uh, one of our D tackles that transferred in from Western Michigan last year, had, had a great year mm-hmm. at Florida State. I think he's a guy who's going to get on the radar of some draft people. Just a uh, I know you're going to be surprised by this, but unbelievable motor. <laughs> He's a white guy. Yeah, shocking. Um, no, I mean, I mean, there's a. I think there's. I'm trying to think of who all is even down there. Um, I think Braswell. He, Braswell, I think, is a guy that's going to flash like a lot in these these situations. I think he's really, really good. Um, boy, or boy, Justin, how do you say that? Boy, Justin Eboy Bay. Yeah. He's yeah. there. Um, he's good. I, I think that like the Braswell thing is Braswell was like a, a five star in some services and like a very high range like recruit. He was just in the shadow of Will Anderson for most of the time. And then obviously Dallas Turner, he had a monster here this year. Um, so that'll be interesting. But, you know, also like I, I always love seeing, it seems like the ones that shoot up the most at, at this weekend are receivers and DBs. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's some pretty good names on here. It's it's kind of crazy. It feels like the talent has really gotten really good at this thing. Um, yeah. 
just look at in the SEC, you've got DJ James from Auburn, Andrew Phillips from Kentucky, Nehemiah Pritchett from Auburn, Javon Bullard. I'm just listening to DBs here. Uh, Jalen Simpson from Auburn, Tyke Smith from Georgia, uh, Tyron Hopper from Missouri at, at linebacker. I mean, a lot of SEC names. Um, I'll actually probably pay attention a little bit more now that I'm looking at the rosters. There's a lot of yeah. really good talent here. Um, I'm looking at this. It says the top 10 performers. I don't know if this is in a single year or just of all time. No, this is of all time. So, like, of course, number nine, um, Hunter Renfro, seven, Drew Locke. Uh, let's see here. People that we know. Terry McLaurin. Um, Terry McLaren. Terry McLaren. Uh, hold on. Rock Yassin. I don't know if I'm saying Debo Samuel was what it was number two overall. Um, this actually might just be 2019. I don't fucking know. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that. And it's also like, I'm, I'm glad they finally fucking put it the weekend between the championship weekend and then um, what do you call it? The, the Super Bowl. Yeah. Also, yeah. by the way, the Super Bowl of Vegas, we're obviously going to do our yearly, probably favorite episode of the year for us. Um, it has never caught on with the audience the way we, we want it to, but it, we will continue to do it for as long as we can. And it's the episode that we devote solely to prop bets for the Super Bowl because it is my favorite thing to see how many prop bets you can, you can get on. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who is, her name's Maria Vitale. And she, her husband is the, um, they own the company, I think it's called Wristband. It's like without an eye or something like that. They're the ones that put on all the stuff for like, hey, it's, what do you call it, weekend? Like, college, like Final Four weekend, mm. college football playoff national championship. Like, that's how I, I always got into like some of those games. So they're doing the Super Bowl this year, and they're in charge of credentials. They're there for 27 days. They, they've had credentials open for over like 11 days now. Like, the process is stupid <laughs> just stupid that's insane yeah um so that part is kind of wild but you know we're, we're still two weeks away i think um i saw a tweet today from circa sportsbook that they were just taking requests like if you want to see a prop bet that we don't have listed yet let us know so we should submit some i did you did yeah i mean my favorite prop bet in the history of prop bets was the the year they played the Super Bowl in Minnesota, and I, I don't remember who was playing, but I remember the the prop bet that like I hammered the most, which was, will there be more? Will like the the total points scored in the first quarter be higher or lower than the temperature outside at kickoff? And the temperature outside was two degrees, and I was like, that is my favorite bet ever. So I was like, yeah, I should do something like that. That'd be great. Um, I think not Super Bowl related, but my favorite prop bet ever was when we did the NFL draft prop bet. And it was like, is anyone going to have cats? And Tristan Wirfs had like three cat, two cats. Yeah, it was like over, <laughs> over, over one and a half cats scene. That was great. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Um, what are you, what are you going to bet on now? Uh, now that football's ending, this is going to be a new segment that my boss has kind of bullied me into doing, but I'm fine with it. Um, so yeah, what are we, what are we betting on now that football is almost over? I'll start with what happened this weekend and I'll say this, listen, I I gave out some, some picks yesterday. Um, if you were to have taken 
Detroit plus seven and a half and and Kansas City money line. That was like plus four thirty two. That hit. Mm. Um, yeah, tennis is getting started. Tennis is. I will say this. I'm not going to say that I've never bet on tennis because I have. Okay. But that is the most degenerate thing you could bet on, without a doubt. Like, and not I bet on out. golf for sure. Like, I like betting on golf a lot. Um, you know, not not necessarily like straight up winners, but yeah, I'll I'll drop I'll drop like top twenties or like top European top European player. Um, DraftKings every weekend for sure. No free ads. Um, I, uh, NBA I props. Mean, you got you kind of got me onto the NBA props a couple years ago, dude. So postseason NBA props are awesome. It's like craps because <laughs> there's action everywhere. Um, I will say, I tried my hand at women's basketball last week. Um, okay, wasn't my favorite. Uh, what's that? Do we need to have a talk? No, it was. I mean, it wasn't like. I mean. There's no risk of my actual money. Okay. Um, but, like, I, t- I tell you what, listen, Sundays, I, I, I might start tuning in on Sundays to watch Caitlin Clark in general. Um, and then that, that women's game last Thursday with, with LSU and South Carolina was awesome. Not, yeah. I mean, not every game is like that, but that game was fun as hell. I will tell you, we can close on this. Like, I'll, this week, what I will be focused on is, is probably women's basketball. Or, um, or I think Bama and Georgia play like tomorrow or Wednesday. Um, and there's still some value there, but the, what was it? The, the worst I think I've ever had to, I've felt about like betting something. This happened two summers ago and I was, it was like, this is, this is a tennis story. This is like betting on tennis. Okay. I had like won a, a poker tournament for $2,700. $2,700. I wasn't allowed to cash it out because it was like a part of like a bonus. Like they gave me like like a, a $50 bonus. I used it for one tournament. I got second place in the tournament and won $2,700. But then I wasn't allowed to cash out because the bonus, you had to wager a certain amount. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. So I was just hammering. First and second round Wimbledon games. Like, I, dude, I'm talking about I had like $800 to $1,200 on people I couldn't pronounce their names or know at all who they were. How did and I think the, at the end of it, I started, I cashed out like 1400 And I don't think I lost a bunch from like the, the bets. I'm pretty sure I just kept playing poker, I'm sure. But I just remember like waking up and being like, okay. They're five hours ahead. I'm going to go to bed at like three or four. I'm just set the alarm early. And I am praying that this guy with three V's in his fucking name is going to somehow beat this other guy that I don't know who he is at all. I feel like only there's only been like three guys that have won any sort of championship in tennis over the last like 20 years. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'll be on the Pebble Beach tournament this weekend. Oh, okay. They've they've increased the purse. Like Pebble Beach is always it's obviously one of the most well known courses, but it's never been a huge tournament in terms of um purse. And they upped it up to like 20, 20 million this year, which is like as much as like the players and stuff like that. So they're getting all the top names out there that are still left on the PGA tour, of course. Yeah. 
Um, so that should be a good tournament to watch. All right, good deal. All right, man. Well, that's the end of the show. As always, we appreciate you guys listening to the show. If you wouldn't mind going and rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, leave us a review. We've been short on the reviews lately, so if you guys wouldn't mind getting in on the reviews, that would be great. Very helpful for the show. And don't forget to check out all of our stuff on the interwebs. Twitter at Sat Down South, Instagram and TikTok at Saturday Down South, and YouTube, of course, Saturday Down South. For Chris, I'm Tyler. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, 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 oh,